Hebrews chapter 11 this morning while the young people are being dismissed. Appreciate those who are willing to teach them on their own level there, but we're going to Hebrews chapter 11, then also to Exodus chapter 2 uh, as we go back into the originating part of this uh, story this morning, but we'll start in Hebrews chapter 11. We're in a series where we're talking about people who God enlarged their coast, uh, people of faith, people who stayed at it when the going got tough. Uh, we've uh, looked at several different ones already through this chapter uh, in Hebrews chapter 11. We've looked at Abel, uh, who obeyed God by bringing the correct sacrifice. Uh, you remember his brother Cain, uh, he basically brought vegetables to the sacrificing uh, to God. And, and uh, in fact, he was a farmer. The Bible tells us that Cain was a farmer and Abel uh, was a keeper of the flocks. And so Cain did what so many people today do. He brought his own works to the Lord. He probably brought the best of what he had. But God is not looking for the best of what we have because the best we have is not enough uh, to atone for any sin that we have. And so uh, he was supposed to bring a lamb. He did not. Abel did, and God honored him. We talked about Enoch. Enoch, the Bible says, walked with God. And one day he was not, for God took him. And so Enoch walked with God right on into heaven one day. And then Noah. Noah is the man who built the ark. He preached for a hundred years, faithfully building this ark to the saving of his house. And, uh, and, and he was such a faithful man for so many years. And then Abraham. Abraham, who one day God came to him and told him, I need you to pack your things. Uh, you're going to a different country. I'm not going to tell you where you're going. I just want you to go. And Abraham did so uh, because of his trust in God. And then his wife, Sarah. I remember Sarah uh, heard that she was going to have a child at age 90 because God had been promising them children. And so around age 90, the angel came and said that she would have a child. And Sarah laughed at the thought. Uh, laughed that she would be able to have a child at 90 years old. Uh, yet they trusted God and obeyed Him. And when she had that child, the Bible calls uh, the Bible said that she called his name Isaac, which means laughter. And uh, because God hath made me to laugh, so she laughed with a laugh of doubt when she heard that she would have a child. But when God brought it to pass, she laughed in joy. God can turn your laugh of doubt into a laugh of joy if you'll just trust Him. And then we see Abraham's great test where he sacrificed his son, uh, where God finally established and firmly established in Abraham's life that he was number one. It still is the same today, my friend. If any of us who are parents put our children between us and God, we're not going to be the type of parent that we need to be for them. And so God must be our number one. And we saw Isaac, we saw Jacob, and we saw Joseph, uh, great men of God that they were. Now today, we focus on not one person, but on two people. Uh, they are parents of Moses that we're going to look at this morning. A man and his wife who made a very hard decision. If you'll look with me at Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 23. By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. 
esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Father, today I pray, as we look at this passage, we pray you bless the reading of your word. Help us to see what you have for each and every one of us individually. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. I want to preach for a few minutes this morning, choices to the second power. Choices to the second power. We looked this morning at the text that covers really two messages. Next week, we're going to look at the choice that uh, Moses made. And, uh, but I want to read both of them today because I wanted to drive home a point while we made plain kind of at the end of the message. But parenting, talking about parents today, parenting is not for cowards. Would you agree with me on that, those of us that are parents? Somebody said parenting is like having a blender that's always on and it has no top. That's kind of like parenting, isn't it? Children, even though they bring much joy into our life, can also be a lot of trouble. I remember years ago, uh, it was on a Saturday afternoon and I had a rare opportunity to take a nap and so I thought I would take a nap on a Saturday afternoon my two children two of my children I won't for don't want to embarrass them so I won't name them but their initials are Hannah and Sarah uh, they were they were little at the time and while I was taking a nap they thought that they would surprise me by washing the family car at that time the family was a lot smaller we were in a Ford Aspire a nice red shiny Ford Aspire one of those uh, real big you know, horse of a vehicle, but uh, they decided they're going to surprise me and wash the car while I was taking a nap. And they did. They went in, they got a bucket full of warm water, just like I always did it. They got to uh, put soap in it and everything, were ready to go. Uh, each of them grabbed an SOS pad and out toward the car uh, they headed. And you got it. They started scrubbing because it was dirty. And so they scrubbed uh, the good, at least half of the car with SOS pads, steel wool. Uh, the struggle is real. Amen? The difficulties are there. When we have children, it's not always a good thing. They were so excited to show me their surprise that I had to act like I was pleased for a little bit. Uh, and, and, but they are. Children can be, children can be a struggle. Parenting is not easy. Uh, some of you have multiple kids. I have eight children. And uh, it, it wasn't always an easy road. Uh, or after about four kids, we child-proofed our home. And more still got in. You know, I don't know what the problem was there. Uh, but uh, we are to raise our children for the Lord. That's what the Bible tells us. We are to raise our children for the Lord. The Duke of Windsor once said, Everything in America is run by switches, except for children. And that's sometimes a real necessity right there. Children uh, recognize the testimony of their parents. They recognize uh, the life that their parents lead. They see that we are to give them the testimony of faith. I heard about one little boy named Johnny on the way home from church, and he's sitting on the back seat of the car, and he's crying. And he's crying, and his dad asks him what's wrong, and he doesn't answer, and he asks him again. He asks him three times, Johnny, what is wrong with you? Why are you crying? And finally, he, through his tears, said, the preacher said that he wanted us brought up in a Christian home, and I want to stay with you guys. Our, our kids can see, you understand? They can recognize uh, whether we are real or not. Moses' parents, Amram and Jochebed, were their name uh, names. They made a choice. They made a choice not to listen to the dictates of society. They decided they're going to do right and that by faith 
God would reward them. Now, if you're at Exodus chapter 2, we're going to go back there and we're going to read the story of Amram and Jochebed and what happened. doesn't name them in this passage. We find their names later. The Bible says, And there went a man of the house of Levi and took to wife the daughter of Levi, and the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. Now, to give you the setting of the story the king had made a decree in the previous chapter to try to quell the, the uh, population of the Jewish population that he had there to, to kill every male son. So when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could not longer hide him, she took him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch, put the child therein and laid it in the flags by the river's bank brink. And his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along by the river's side. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept, and she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Uh, they, the time came here in Jochebed and Amram's life, for Jochebed was expecting her third child. Now, normally this would be an exciting time in the home, but it was not really a time of celebration for them because Pharaoh had made a decree. Uh, he was trying to control the population, and so he had made a decree that if a child is born and it's a girl, that's just fine. If a child is born and it's a male, that they would have to take that baby and take it down to the Nile River and throw it in the river to drown it because he did not want any male children for a time being to try to control the population. Now we hear that and we think, oh, how awful that decree is. Yet last week uh, we saw in the news that Planned Parenthood here in St. Paul, Minnesota, uh, told one of their clients who asked what would happen if a baby was born alive after an attempted abortion, and they said, well, we would just break its neck and finish the job. Uh, Virginia Governor Ralph Northam, uh, sp speaking about born alive abortions, said this, and I quote, the infant would be kept comfortable. The infant would be recitated, uh, resuscitated if that's what the mother and family desired. If not, it would be left to die. Folks, that is every bit as evil as making a decree by Pharaoh saying that if a baby is born and it's a boy, to throw it in the river. Amen? Uh, we need to understand and recognize that uh, our society might not be so different even than Moses and uh, when Moses was born in that society as well. Today... Today we can know long before birth uh, whether the boy is uh, the baby is a boy or a girl. Some people choose to know, some choose not to know. Uh, but you can imagine along with me the anxiety in this couple's life as they wait for nine months. Because if the boy, baby is born and it's a girl, it's all fine. But if it's born and it's a boy, it's born with a death sentence hanging over its head. Well, the day came. The baby was born and it was a boy. This is when the parents of Moses began to exercise real faith. Now, the text leaves no doubt here. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents. That's uh, in the Hebrews text. Moses' parents faced perhaps the greatest crisis in their life, and they did so, the Bible says, in faith. It set their child on a path to greatness. I want to look at a few points about their faith this morning. First of all, starting with the presence of faith. By faith, his parents. Many Israelites in the land of Egypt in that time, according to the book of Ezekiel, were, were worshiping idols along with their Egyptian captives. 
And so many people were not being true to God, but there were many that were being true to God, among them Moses' parents. Moses' parents worshiped the one true God. But let me, uh, uh, and, and they, in this time here, they were an obscure couple among thousands of Israelites, yet they lived their faith steadfastly. There were lots of reasons for them not to have faith, just as there are lots of reasons for us today, if we want to pick reasons, why we should not have faith or or why we don't have faith. There was a command that opposed their faith. The king of Egypt had commanded that all the boys would be drowned in the in the uh, river. That's found in Genesis in uh, Exodus chapter one verse twenty two. Uh, this is an extreme command that they faced. But let me assure you today that government rarely encourages our faith. Amen. We can see that throughout history. We ought not to look at government anyway. Hey, our salvation will not come on Air Force One. Amen? Uh, it is through, uh, through Christ and not the government that we uh, have our faith. The circumstances oppose their faith. The Israelites were, they were in slavery to the Egyptians. Circumstances were not encouraging faith at that time. In fact, it was very discouraging. But you can have faith even within discouraging circumstances. We see over and over with the people that we've looked at already and the ones that we will, that they had faith despite the bad circumstances they found themselves in. And you can too. The crowd opposed their faith. The society that they lived in was in, wrapped up in idolatry. Faith was not a popular practice in their day. Faith still today is not a popular thing, but you can be a light in the middle of darkness. It is possible to live as a Christian even though all those around you are living wickedly. It is possible to live the Christian life even though few others are living it. Sometimes, in fact, that's, uh, that's a necessity for us to live for God in the middle of darkness away today with the excuses that men offer to justify the forsaking of God. You do not have to go along with the crowd. You can live obediently to God even if you're the only one that does it. Amen? We saw it with Noah. We see it with Daniel. We see it with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We see it with Joseph and many others. We see the faithfulness to God even though they were in a bad situation. Listen, if Moses' parents could have faith in their terrible situation, there's no excuse for us. Lack of advantages does not excuse lack of faith. And so let us not allow circumstances to dictate our lack of faith. Amram and Jochebed certainly didn't. Then we have the partnership of faith. By faith, his parents, both Amram and Jochebed, had this faith. Now I know <coughs> that he is not mentioned in our Exodus text uh, here uh, specifically, and that could be a practical reason because he was probably off at work when when Jochebed was doing these things uh, because I'm sure the, <coughs> the Egyptians didn't have a vacation day system, you know, uh, like we do today. And so uh, they, he wouldn't be able to stay at home. But our Hebrews text here clears, out, clears up any doubts about Moses' father's involvement. He was involved. He had faith just like she did. It was the faith of his parents. There was no conflict here. This marriage was united in faith. <clears throat> How much better our homes would be if there was always a partnership in the faith by mom and dad. 
They should be on the same page. Can I encourage you today that if you are still raising children, you be on the same page, spiritually speaking, in your Christian life. We would have no, it would be a common thing to have great children who go on to do great things. But so many marriages today are mismatched when it comes to serving God. One might be saved, the other might be unsaved. By the way, that's why God forbids the marriage of an unsaved person to a, or a believer to an unbeliever. The Bible tells us that in 2 Corinthians 6.14. Yet it's just as bad when you have a carnal partner, even if they're both saved, one's carnal and one's spiritual. You'll have a problem raising children the right way when that happens. It's devastating uh, to the home. We need moms and dads like Amram and Jochebed, who said, as for me and our house, as for us in our house, we're going to serve the Lord. That's what Joshua said. That's what we need to say as well. There is a partnership there. Let me encourage that in your home, that we all uh, have that common goal to have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Then we see the perceiving of faith. When he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw that he was a proper child. That word proper means good-looking. The accountant Exodus said that Moses was perceived as a goodly child. It tells us in Acts 7.20 that when Moses was born, he was exceeding fair. All this means that Moses was an incredibly beautiful baby. Not all babies are beautiful. I know I have visited, made a lot of hospital visit to visit babies, and I've seen my share, and i got to tell you that some babies... Uh, well, they're just ugly. I, I mean, I'm not trying to be mean, but there's some babies are just not, not that, not yours, not any of the ones that I've visited from you guys. But, but uh, when this happens, we just look at the child, see that's such a precious baby. All babies are, pre even the ugly ones are precious. Amen. And so we can look at the baby and say, but Moses here, something was so extraordinary about Moses' good looks, his beauty, that his parents' faith turned into a powerful conviction. In other words, that Moses' personal, uh, I, I guess, the way he looked, and the, in fact, it later would melt the heart of Pharaoh's daughter when she saw what a beautiful child he was, caused her to rear him as her own. But there was more, I believe, than good looks involved because Moses' parents were looking at Moses with the eyes of faith. And when you have faith, you see better. You have better eyesight in faith than you do uh, without faith. Uh, the eye of faith can see much more than the flesh can perceive. Faith saw that Moses was a special child. Hey, Pharaoh only saw him as somebody to kill. Uh, faith looks at the word of God and sees great and wonderful truths. The flesh only sees the Bible as a boring, outdated book uh, with no application to our life. Faith recognizes the importance of spiritual matters. The flesh only looks at physical and temporary uh, matters. What a tragedy if Moses' parents would have viewed him with only the eyes of flesh, but they had the eye of faith. We see they hid in chapter 11, verse 23, hid him three months of his parents, the priority of faith. Uh, the decree of the king of Egypt said that Moses must die. Uh, Moses' parents were slaves. They were uh, working for the Egyptians at that time. They were not people of great importance. But can I tell you today that God's greatest work on his earth has been by nobodies. God uses nobodies to do his business. He uses people that are weak to do his business. Uh, in, his, in our weakness is his strength perfected. 
Well, if you feel you're unable or you don't have many abilities, you might be the candidate God's looking for. Well, they used them. They made a decision that even though they're putting their own lives in danger, they would defy the order of this king. This baby was going to live. Uh, at the very birth of this deliverer began the great battle of right against might. They were against the king, but they had God on their side. Hey, can I tell you today that God is for children? Amen? God is for children. Psalm 127, 4, as arrows in the hands of a mighty man, so are the children of youth. Psalm 127, 5, happy is the man that hath a quiver full of them, and they shall not be ashamed. Matthew 19, 14, Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me. Uh, forbid them not. The king of kings had a different decree than the king of Egypt. And they were choosing to obey God rather than to obey man. Moses was hid three months by his parents. The action demonstrated the priorities of Moses' parents. The priority of faith, listen to me now, is, the, is obedience to God. Remember what faith is. It's belief-inspired obedience. So the priority that they had was they're going to obey God. The priority we ought to have is obedience to God. That should rank number one in our lives. And the greater the faith, the greater the obedience. They gave priority. They gave priority to spiritual things. What ranks in your family, in your life? What has the first priority in your life? It should be uh, the Lord himself. And then we see the peace from faith. In verse 23 of chapter 11, they were not, uh, we're in Hebrews again, they were not afraid of the king's commandment. Moses' parents, because of their faith, did not fear Pharaoh. Now this is important for us to to understand because they had every reason to fear Pharaoh, but they feared God more than they feared Pharaoh. You'll find in the Bible that terms of emotion are usually terms of comparison. And when it says they didn't fear Pharaoh, this didn't mean that they had no fear for him, but they had more fear for him. Oh, that's a great thing because fear of man is always irrational in the sight of God. Faith in God is a great remover of fear, and so it is a great source of peace. You want to remove your fear of people? Start fearing God. You want to remove your fear of scorn by others or a fear of embarrassment? Start fearing God. Fear of man is irrational in the sight of God. Are you a fearful soul? Get your eyes on the Lord. Faith in God brings a tranquility. Uh, it beats all that the world has to offer. Yet it's hard for me to imagine the scene in this day when Moses was born. Moses did not have the faith, uh, or many did not have the faith that Moses' parents had. In fact, the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 17, or 7, verse 19, that uh, many of the Israelites cast their babies in the fire, uh, in the lake, in the river, I should say, so that they might not live, the Bible says. So many were obeying the king's commandment. You know, he had tried, if you remember, he tried to work through the midwives, and, and the midwives... Uh, uh, feared God, and so they let the babies live, and so finally made a, a decree. If you have a boy, you've got to take him down. To, they had to do it. They, they had to do it themselves. Take the baby down to the river, dunk him in the river, and basically uh, end his young life. And so many people did that. 
Walking in idolatry, a lot of people obeyed the king's commandment according to the book of Acts. This, of course, would not bring peace into their life. It would bring everything but. It would bring guilt. It would bring sadness. It would bring shame. And uh, this would ex- they, they would experience then the curse of unbelief rather than the calm of faith in God. I'm just simply saying today, if you start going down the path of doing what society dictates from you, it's not going to bring you any peace, not long term. Let the world scorn our faith. Let them mock in derision. But I wouldn't trade the Christian life for anything in the world. Listen, I serve a God who loves me, and he gave himself for me. I serve a God who daily loadeth me with benefits, according to what the Bible says. I serve a God who promised to supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. In Psalm chapter 32, verse 8, he says, I will guide thee with mine eye. I serve that God. You can too. When you remember what you have through faith, the world sneers and scorn. It won't upset you as much. It'll give you the peace of God. Matter of fact, you'll want to share it with others, what you have. And then the prudence of faith, uh, verse 23. Again, when he was born, he was hid three months of his parents. Before going to work every morning, (coughs) they would hide this little boy. Perhaps, as they did later, they would put Miriam on guard. And then they would go off to work. Every few days would require a new hiding spot as the young boy was growing as babies do and becoming more and more a bundle of energy. Can you imagine, along with me, the anxiety that they had to face every day when they went to work? There was no cell phone. They couldn't call home and check. I mean, they, he might be discovered while they were working and be, come home and they find that they don't have a son anymore. So every day they would come home in fear of seeing their ba- baby dead or taken away. No doubt all day they would spend begging God to please protect our baby. Once in a while, while soldiers held routine checks, they would hold their breath, hoping that the baby wouldn't choose this moment to cry. For three long, excruciating months, this torture went on. But there was a problem. Happens to all babies. They grow. (laughs) They grow quick, and they grow fast. And this baby starts growing. And uh, he continues to grow. What to do when there's no place to hide him anymore? Babies need to be clean. They need to be fed. Uh, babies make noises. And they, it came a time where they couldn't hide anymore. What were they going to do? How does God save someone who is contem- condemned to death? Well, they thought, must have thought about Noah and his ark. That was a well-known story. And what God did to save Noah. So they said, we'll do that. We will build a little ark. In fact, we'll obey the king. The king says, if we have a boy, we got to throw him in the river. That's exactly what we'll do. Only we'll build a little boat first. <laughs> and they put him in this little ark. They built an ark to put Moses in. Maybe, they were thinking, maybe, just maybe, God will do for our little Moses what he did for Noah. The Bible says, when she could not longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes, Exodus 2, 3. The ark kept the baby from drowning and would provide an opportunity for rescue. But can you imagine that last night before they were going to put him in the river the next morning? I'm sure that many people may have slept that night, but I doubt this set of parents did. They were probably up all night uh, begging God and praying for him. The next morning, the Bible says that Jochebed went and she set the ark in the water. Uh, She had to let go of all of her control and let God. 
It's a scary thing when that comes, that moment comes in our children's lives, isn't it? When we have to just take our hands off and let God. Because I don't know about you, but I kind of like control. <laughs> I like being in control. But we can't always control everything. And so she did that, relinquished her control. She must have had many tears as she's laying him down and taking her hands off. I'm sure she was, if, if she was like any other mother, would have been weeping at what she felt she had to do. But friends, that's exactly what faith is. You see, faith is not faith unless it has in it an element of doubt. Otherwise, it's sight. But if faith, uh, to be faith, there has to be an element of doubt in it. And faith is not the absence of doubt. Faith is action in spite of the doubt. I'll give you an example. This is my favorite example in Scripture. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego standing in front of the king. King, they said, oh, king, God is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. I love the next three words. But if not, see, that's faith. Hey, God can do it think <laughs> but if not we're still going to do the right thing that's faith and so yes there was doubt yes there was fear but she still uh, did what she felt she had to do in faith she bible says she put the child therein and she laid it in the flags by the river's brink or the river's edge in chapter 2 verse 3 the flags this refers to a smaller species of papyrus it's a smart place to put the ark uh, you know we often our minds often uh, uh, pay too much attention to movies and not enough attention to the Bible, but uh, there's certain cartoons been made about Moses, Prince of Egypt, and it shows him flowing down the river and it's all jostling back and forth. Not really the case according to what the Bible says. They, uh, they would, she put him by the flags here. Uh, presumably that would keep the ark stationary. Uh, the ark's placement would catch the attention of the daughter of Pharaoh. They knew where she would come to bathe. They knew what, uh, that, that they could put Moses here in a place that she would find him. They wanted, I believe, her to discover the ark and find out what's inside. They believed and they hoped and they prayed that if she opened the lid to that uh, little ark, that what she saw, would uh, she would have compassion on him. Now, Hebrew tradition and Hebrew history tells us that Pharaoh's daughter was long barren and she could not have children. It, that would be in keeping with this biblical story that, that uh, they knew she might, that she desperately wanted a child. Let's give God an opportunity to do the miraculous here. We'll let her find our son. Again, the wisdom of faith was great. Faith, is, faith gives you great wisdom. It really does. Uh, walking by faith enhances your wisdom. Walking in the flesh decreases it. Just in plain old English, sin makes you dumb. It does. Sin makes you dumb. You ever see someone who's intoxicated? Sin makes you stupid. It really does. I'm not trying to be silly, but it, it, sin does that. Uh, a few years ago in Michigan, when, when I still lived there, there was a convenience store that was robbed. And the way that he robbed the convenience store is the perpetrator came in and he slapped down a $20 bill and uh, he asked for change. As soon as the proprietor opened the cash register, out comes a gun and he demands all the cash in the cash register. Throws him a bag, the guy puts all the cash in, he takes off running. Now, he had just put most of the money in the safe, so the cash register only had $18 and some change in it. The problem was the young guy left the 20 laying on the bill on the counter. 
So it was the only time in history, the police chief said, that a convenience store made money in a robbery. Sin makes you dumb. Faith makes you wise. Pharaoh's daughter did come to the water. She did see this little ark. She did open the lid. She did see the baby, and he did cry. When a woman's heart and a baby's tears meet, something happens, and it happened in her. She had compassion. From the bulrushes, from the side, Miriam is watching. She's peeking through. She's watching what happens when the princess opens the, ba- uh, the, the thing. Now, one of two things is going to happen. This is what they were praying for. One of two things is going to happen. As soon as she recognizes that it's a Hebrew child, she's either going to push that ark under the water and drown the baby immediately, or she's going to, ah. And when Miriam saw her face, she immediately rushed up to her. I love this part of the Bible. She got her cue and she ran out. She said this, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? You see, this would be an important thing because it was a great need of the princess at that time. They did not have milk formulas at that time. They did not have bottles to feed the babies. A baby would be ne- needed to be nursed by a mother or another woman. And so if, she was, if the baby is going to survive. And do you think that just maybe, just maybe, Miriam might have someone in line for the job? Oh, yeah. In this, we see the prize of faith. Exodus chapter 2, verse 8. The maid Miriam went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give you thy wages. And the woman, Moses' mother, that is, took the child and nursed it. Now faith is paying off. Yesterday, she had to hide him under the sink. Today, she can play with him in the front yard. Yesterday, it was illegal. Today, it's sanctioned. Uh, Not only that, Pharaoh, who's trying to kill the Jewish boys, will now train the very boy that's going to lead the nation out of Egypt. Boy, I love God's work. God does wonderful work, doesn't he? God will always get his way. Listen, faith will punch the devil right in the nose. (laughs) He won't even see it coming. What an exciting turn of events. Who says, by the way, that living by faith is boring? It's not by any stretch of the means. The mother of Moses here is going to raise Moses for the next two or three years, uh, which is the normal time for weaning in that day. And so to top it all off, she gets paid for it. Now, her job, I don't know what she was doing before. She might have been working in the brickyard. She might have been doing uh, who knows what. She was a slave. But now her duty was different. Now her duty was to raise her own child, just what she wanted to do in the first place. Man, faith works great miracles. There's great victory in faith. There's prize in faith. Uh, they, the, uh, the, 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 the things that God can work out in your life will shock you if you're just faithful to him. Moses is given a lot of attention in this chapter, Hebrews chapter 11. And it's not surprising because he was the great emancipator of the Jews. Moses was... Uh, Uh, one of the most important people in their life that they look back on. And so much is given in this chapter about him. But can I tell you today that uh, much of the reason that Moses was the man that Moses was was because of his parents and who they were. They were the true heroes of the faith. And Moses, he did become a great man of faith, but it had much to do with parents who were also great in their faith. And here's the truth that I want to drive home today. Amram and Jochebed made a choice. Eighty years later, 
Moses made some choices too. And we don't know what would have happened, but uh, what we need to grab a hold of here today, especially as parents, Moses and would probably never have made the right choices in his life if he didn't have a shining example in his mom and in his dad. That set him up to make the right choices. Oh, listen, friend, if we could only fully understand how much impact we have on others if we make the right choices for God. You have faith. You watch yourself be a blessing to other people. Yes, they were just doing right at the time. Little did they know that they were setting in motion one of the greatest lives in Christendom, Moses himself. For 40 years, Moses was in the world. After Moses' mother got done with him in the weaning process, then he went and lived in the palace, and he was trained in everything uh, as the world had to offer. He spent 40 years there. When he was 40 years old, he, uh, he had a ruckus there in Egypt, and he went out to live in the backside of the desert, and there he did nothing for God either. Really, for Moses' first 80 years of life, he did nothing for God. Then one day he came face to face with a burning bush. And in the end, Moses did right. Listen, mom, dad, do not be discouraged today. Even if your child right now is far from God and not doing the work of God in their life like you wish they would be, uh, the, the, the choices that you made for God were not wasted. You might say, well, I didn't make the right choices when I was raising them. Make the right choices now. Live for God now. Listen, it'll make an impact, I promise you. My hope for my children and yours is that one day they too will cling to the truths that we taught. Choices to the second power. We make the right choices, and then they can make the right choices. Listen, Amram and Jochebed, in fact, you may not have even known their names before this morning. They're not, they're not raised up as some great shining pillars, except here in Hebrews chapter 11. But would Moses have been the man he was without a mama and a daddy? like Amram and Jochebed. I encourage you to be those people. That's why it's so important to not give in to society's demands. You teach your child the truth. You teach them the truth of the Bible. They don't have to be a casualty. Your choice will affect their choice. And this isn't only true in parenting and children. It's true really in every area of life. Your choice will affect your friends' choices. Your choice will affect your colleagues' choices. You be faithful to God. You have faith, and you watch what God will do with your example. That's what I mean by choices to the second power. The things we do will have consequences. Let's make them good consequences, like Amram and Jochebed. Little-known people, we don't know what they looked like. We don't know how long they lived. We don't know much about them, except that one day they had a, they had a baby boy, and they said, we don't care what the law says, this boy's going to live. We're going to risk our lives to do what God says. And out of that decision came one of the greatest men of God that has ever lived. Hey, God can do something with our menial choices. Amen? Let's be faithful to him. Let's every head bow. And every